This is the Create Yourself Podcast. What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Create Yourself Podcast. Today, my guest was none other than Marcus Philly. Marcus Philly is the owner of Revival Strength in California. Um, he also is the, the mind behind functional bodybuilding. Marcus has been changing the landscape of fitness the past couple years, um, especially in the functional fitness realm where, where sometimes um, both coaches and athletes get down the, the, the wrong path sometimes for, for programming and training. And he's uh, essentially helping to course correct and bring us back here. Um, man, we jumped into uh, his principles behind functional bodybuilding, individual program design versus group program design. Um, we touched on how to get out of pain, avoiding burnout, how to look good and move well at the same time. There was so much value and a lot of different subjects uh, touched on in this podcast, and I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Do me a favor, though, before we jump into it. I want you to go ahead and take a screenshot on your phone. I want you to tag both Marcus and I in it. He is at Marcus Philly, and I am at the CF7C Coach. I want you to go ahead and take a screenshot on your phone post it on your story, and then tag both of us in it. Um, we want to know who we're reaching and who's getting value from this. Um, and then do me one more favor before you before you get off of here and you start running into the show. I want you to go ahead and log into iTunes. I want you to give me a five-star rating and review. Let me know what you love, what you like about the podcast, guests that you want to have on, um, you name it. Just give me some feedback. Uh, really trying to grow this show and, and make sure that we can reach more people, which will lead to us getting uh, more guests on in the future. Now, enough of me rambling on here. I'm going to go ahead and get Marcus on here, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, Marcus, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Uh, like we were talking a little bit a few minutes ago, I've been following you for a long time. Uh, really intrigued by the, the message that you're putting out right now. Uh, I think it's something that people need to hear, uh, especially my listeners. Um, we, we are in the CrossFit space, functional fitness space, so um, loving your message, and I'm just excited to have you on. How are you feeling today, man? I'm feeling pretty good. bit of a... Um... You know, real life stuff going on this morning. I got my, my daughter, one of my daughters is kind of sick and it's kind of been a multi-week uh, process of trying to get to the bottom of what's going on with her. So anyhow, just uh, life stuff going on. But at the same time, excited to be here and talking with you and, uh, you know, health and fitness must go on. Yeah, so true. I, I got, I mean, uh, I'm not necessarily a stay-at-home dad, but I've got a, a four-year-old currently upstairs watching a movie. Hopefully we can get through this podcast without him. Uh, jumping in, chiming in in the background, asking me for something, but he's usually pretty good. <laughs> got um, it, got it. But cool, man. We're gonna we're gonna jump into it a little bit. Um, I'm sure there's a small percentage of people out there that don't already uh, or that don't know who you are already. So I'd love to jump into your background and 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 give us who you are in a nutshell, so that the uh, listeners can get caught up with where we are today. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll be I'll try and be brief. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just like a. Um, so currently I, I run a coaching organization, a business called Revival Strength, and we, um, we do predominantly individual coaching of clients both remotely and uh, locally in our on-site facility here. Um, but we're also gotten sort of known as a, a functional bodybuilding brand. So we use a concept of training called functional, uh, we call functional bodybuilding. Uh, we put out some educational resources and some online training programs for people to be exposed to that. Um, but how I got there was uh, growing up just being a, an, an athlete that really found out in more or less high school and college that the part of being an athlete that I loved the most was the training aspect of it, the, the physicality of sport and pushing my body 
and then subsequently learning how to fuel my body uh, to enhance my performance and my aesthetic and generally just make me feel better and more energetic. Mm -hmm. So I put a lot of those pieces together as a, as a young athlete and found that I had a, a, a skill set to teach people about that and to educate them and inspire people to make better choices, uh, which got me thinking that I wanted to pursue something in the health and fitness or the healthcare field. Um, and I went to graduate school thinking I was going to do one sort of healthcare, didn't pan out. And I eventually kind of made my way back into the health and fitness space um, as a fitness coach, uh, first in a CrossFit gym setting. Um, so CrossFit coach turned CrossFit facility owner, and then sort of refining my vision of what I wanted coaching and fitness delivery to look like over time and moving into the space that I'm in now, which is a bit more tailored individual coaching less uh group fitness um and so that's where we're at today yeah i, I was listening a, a couple of different shows that you were on um i was actually surprised and this is something i didn't know about you already was that you had uh, gone to medical school i heard a, you were on the the group podcast show and um you went on some sort of uh like i guess we'll say like a spiritual retreat where you were um i think i heard one time you said you were meditating for like three hours at a time and, and doing some soul searching so it's cool to hear that kind of story and how, you know, for medical school, and now we just see this uh, really jacked athletic guy on, on social media. And it's always cool to hear uh, that, backstory, that backstory and how those things kind of feed into it, especially now with what you're doing running gyms and, and coaching people. So I always find that stuff super interesting. And that context always helps people to, uh, I guess, make sense out of what you're doing now. Yeah. So you're known as like the functional bodybuilding guy now. Um, I, I knew you when you were at, uh, when you were just doing the CrossFit games thing and you were an athlete, um, without even knowing, uh, how good of a coach or how intelligent you were in training, um, with this functional bodybuilding stuff, uh, how did you come up with that concept? Um, and, and then decide to start using it for people? Um, well, it was really sort of like my own <clears throat> personal exploration in, in fitness, uh, with the support of the coach that I was working with at the time. So in 16, I just sort of wrapped up a very, uh, you know, successful competitive year of fitness com competition. And I was, uh, like I think most people feel at the end of, at the tail end of a really competitive or intensity driven push in fitness, a little bit burnt out and beat up. Um, but I was beyond just a little bit. I was like, you know, six years of accumulating fatigue and intensity and training and kind of a relentless pursuit of being the best fitness athlete I could be. And on top of that, running a business, starting a family, getting married, having my wife pregnant. I was just a little bit, uh, I was more than spent. So I had to kind of relook at like, well, what I love doing this type of training, but I, I can't tolerate doing it at this level for a long period of time. And I really got into fitness because it made me feel great. And it was something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, but spending so much time in the competitive CrossFit world and even just the, the CrossFit box mentality, I had sort of lost sight of what it meant to do something in a, in a way that felt more sustainable and something I could do for a long time that I could be passionate about that could make me feel great. 
mm-hmm. um, and provide me the benefits of looking better naked and, you know, feeling strong and sleeping better and uh, processing nutrients well. Um, it had really just gotten isolated to, can I go faster? Can I lift more weights? Can I beat the other guy? Um, so when, it, when, when I started to revisit my training, it was, it was about finding some blend or some hybrid of the stuff that I love to do. And then maybe some things that I had left, you know, I hadn't been doing for years that um, originally got me excited about fitness. So bodybuilding was sort of like my foundation when I was younger. Uh, I mean, I played sports, but I was in the gym doing sets and reps and following Pollockin templates and doing, uh, you know, body part splits and putting in the time in the gym and mm-hmm. the sets and the reps. I also had spent all this time doing CrossFit and functional fitness, which was had a, a strong appeal to me. I loved the uh, the kind of inner competition that it brought out. Like, how can I be better? perform better, uh, become more refined as a mover. Um, so I didn't want, I wanted to, I really was drawn to a style of training that was a kind of a blend of both. And, um, that's how I was training myself. Um, and it made me, it helped me to recover from that really, uh, low point that I found myself in at the end of 2016. Um, I spent more or less a, a year just following a training concept similar to that, that started out really simple and then started to incorporate more of that functional, like the slightly more high intensity functional movements into it. And I just, it was like research and development on myself. And a lot of my social media followers were very intrigued by what I was doing. And so I wanted to create an opportunity for them to experience it. Um, That's when I launched a, a training series called Awaken Training Series. And in the process of putting that out to a lot of people, uh, we've had, you know, at this point, several thousand people that have experienced that training program. Uh, the, the feedback has been just massive. You know, it, uh, the um, kind of landed on some really great training concepts that I'm excited to continue to share with people, not just like through programs, but through education. Um, so that's, that's, sorry, that's a long winded answer, but that's kind of how we came to be um, a functional bodybuilding brand here at Revival Strength. Yeah, no, I, I actually like the context a lot because um, I, I'm battling some of those demons right now in my own business just because um, this past year, I started doing a little bit. Uh, I started the OPEX CCP um, about a year ago, went through that, and I was really intrigued by it. Obviously, uh, James is going to get you fired up about things just because how passionate he is about like individual design. Um, mm-hmm. But like his big message was uh, just talking about like, what are we really doing for people? Like we're, we're, we're trying to make them more fit. Um, not everybody's a competitor, talking about everybody's different potentials and um, how you should pay close attention to that. And it really made me do some checks and balances with um, my own programming. Cause I mean, I run a, I run across the gym, I have uh, group training and then, but this made me venture into a lot of individual design inside my gym too. But I've still got people that are very much hung up on um, 
like they're like, I call them intensity mongers. And you actually talk a lot about this, about how, um, how to get people out of that mindset of like, look, you actually shouldn't come into the gym and hammer yourself every day. You actually shouldn't feel um, completely trash at the end of every workout. And there's a time and a place for that. But um, I've struggled with that, how I'm going to get people and, and drive my gym out of that mindset uh, very slowly. And I've actually talked, I uh, heard you talk about this, like you owned a CrossFit gym before and how you tried to make that pivot. Um, were you successful in that? Like, were you able to take um, those intensity, uh, th those people who were in that mindset that I need intensity every day? Um, were you able to drive them out of that or is that what led you to where you are now? Um, great, great question. I would say that it, yeah, this is, so, there's, there's multiple things to unpack here. Yeah. But the first is that I don't believe that people are really intensity junkies because okay. in, um, in most instances, I think within the CrossFit space, uh, just looking at general group programming that's out there, most people are not actually good enough movers um, and, uh, and strong enough to really be powerful, mm -hmm. to really get super intense. Right. Uh, I think in, in, I think, I think the big issue is that people have sh uh, poor mechanics and they're, we're not prescribing movements. So our, our movement selection is is kind of limited in the CrossFit scope of, of group classes and, mm -hmm. and uh, prescription that people are just doing the wrong movements for them because that's what cross and they're, they're just like we're going to do barbell clean and jerks because that's what we do mm -hmm. and was a, the good majority like shouldn't be doing they don't have enough motor control they don't have good movement patterns they don't understand complex motor patterns like that to to do them in any type of fatigue setting so you now we're then we add fatigue into it. Um, and so it just compromises people, people's quality. There is definitely some level of intensity to it where people are getting, we're just, have, we're losing control over what the dose response is with people inside of a group, group fitness class that's doing mixed modal training. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of the biggest obstacle. And, um, in my efforts over the years to sort of transform that, I was trying to look for what are the ways that we keep people keep, keep movement quality much higher. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, now movement quality much higher within a group fitness setting meant making sure people were not constantly battling against fatigue. And that looks like introducing rest periods, or it looks like introducing, um, interval type training or things that don't look like three rounds for time or five rounds for time or AMRAP 20 minutes on a consistent basis. And now that is where there, I think is a little, was, was it some pushback and some challenge with the group fitness setting mm -hmm. because I was preaching this thing, high intensity, get your fastest time. It's all about how quickly you go and how much work you accumulate for a number of years. And then I'm like, wait a minute, well, that's wrong. I got to switch my tune. And so people have become accustomed to that being the, the message. And then in trying to switch that, I recognize that there's like, I have, there's a lot of momentum behind that formal way of thinking that I have to now start to peel back and, and reteach. It wasn't hard with new people mm -hmm. to get them on board with it. It was hard with people that were 
used to a, a particular way. Now, why is that? Well, because when beginners start, anything works, right? Anything yeah. works to oh, yeah. experience this, your first six months of improvement. So they fear they, they had six months of six to 12 months of, of quote unquote success doing three rounds for time, 10 minute AMRAP build to a max, whatever, like just random stuff. Okay. And then they get into that phase of training in the, the one to four year mark where they stop, they, their progress stalls. They stop seeing results. Maybe they start actually going in the, in the wrong direction. But they're connected to the idea that, oh my God, that worked for me for a period of time. And now here you're trying to introduce some idea of like, we got to change this because for your long-term sustainable, you know, health and fitness, this is a better approach. So it's, uh, it becomes, and when you can't really sit down with a client and have a conversation with them about the why of what you're doing, you just see them show up five minutes before class. They look at the whiteboard and they're like, why is that different than what we were doing before? There's no medium and there's no opportunity to really have, uh, you know, to educate the population, unless you want to hold town hall meetings every, every week and be like, Hey, we're switching the programming style and this is why, which I tried to do that too. Um, it definitely becomes a challenge. So I would say that it took years for, for the, the overall look and feel of the training within my group fitness gym to change. And it definitely moved in a direction that got there. Um, but at the same time, even the best intentions and the best design, you know, there were still people that were showing up that didn't have the movement quality. And it was like hard to really cater to the needs of a lot of different people in one setting. So I would say that was ultimately what kind of drove me to feel like I want to, I want to do something maybe in a different format, um, individually designing programs or, or when I would write group designs, which I have group templated programs available online, just very, very honest and uh, clear with people like this is not perfect for everybody. Matter of fact, it might not be perfect for any one person. My hope is that you just learn principles from it, get some value from it, and then we can, you know, if, if you're ready to ascend into a uh, individual coaching system, then we're, we're here for you. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is challenging. And I actually thought about the town hall thing. When you spoke on that in a previous show that I listened to, I was like, wow, that's a, that's a good idea because uh, I've tried to go the education route to where, uh, you know, weekly I send out an email about something training related, just trying to educate my members as much as I can. But um, I'm finding myself being handcuffed by, um, and, and I think a lot of CrossFit gym owners are now, like they're finding themselves handcuffed by the, the name CrossFit. And it ties them to a, a specific training principle uh, or an ideal. And then trying to drive out of that has been a real challenge. Uh, I, I will get us there because my integrity and, and who I am as a, a coach and a person makes me um, know that I got to help people. I have to make a person better than they were when they started with me. Um, and what I was doing before, you're right, would 100% deliver um, great results for the first year. But then you start hearing about the nagging shoulders, the nagging knees, hips, uh, low back pain, not progressing. Um, and we've introduced a lot of actually uh, functional bodybuilding principles into um, our training. Uh, and, and it's been a little bit of a challenge of getting people like, Hey, you're going to go slow down. You're going to use tempos. You're going to um, do unilateral work. And then getting people on board with that um, has been a bit of a challenge, but uh, over the past year and a half, two years, we've been able to shift out of that. Um, and especially adding in the individual design has been huge. Like as a coach, uh, James always talks about like 
how it's, it's very artistic that you can manipulate certain things and change a person's body um, and get them into that. Do you find that um, with like your templated programs that you talked about for group fitness, um, were you still able to help people to get out of that pain point per se and start to work in, at least in the right direction and maybe drive them towards an individual design? Um, in, so, in some instances, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. My, my goal in that business model was not to drive people towards individual design. Okay. Um, it was, it was more to, um, refine, tighten up the group design as best as possible to, you know, do best by most people in the gym, keep people as safe as possible mm -hmm. and to some, you know, and to some degree give them what they want, but mostly what they need. So, um, disguise what they need as what they want and then get, you know, hopefully get the best of both worlds where everyone's psyched on, you know, better solid training concepts. And then of course, educate the group fitness coaches on how to do the best possible job they can in a very chaotic, you know, uncontrolled situation. Right. Um, and I think it was, it was somewhat successful. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, and you know, there were other reasons why I left that, uh, that, that business, not, mm -hmm. it, and it wasn't just like, Oh, I don't believe in what I'm doing anymore. So I'm going to just, I'm, I'm going to check out like, no, I was, I was definitely excited to uh, continue that journey and upgrade the service and educate people and, you know, evolve. Um, but I, it was, it was about more about business partnerships and um, not really being totally aligned with the, the partner that I had to, to make that vision come alive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so within all that, uh, I realize that people should dial it back sometimes, move slower, um, modify intensities, so on and so forth. How often do you think like a person should really get after it? Like whether that's across like a weekly timeline or a monthly or a cycle, like um, I believe intensity is still to be okay. I'm curious your thoughts on it. Like how often should a person really dip into that intensity if they have the ability to express that in the first place? Yeah. Well, I think that that's, I mean, it's such a probably it's un, it's not a satisfying answer. It's like right. well, it depends on the person, right? That's yeah, like yeah. always that's like the always the qualifier. Um, but maybe I'll give you some more like specifics on that. It's like if you're um, first, you have to recognize like the thing that is going to give somebody the green light to perform intensity is the lifestyle factors that are supporting that and behind it. So if you if you have great lifestyle. Uh, you know, great lifestyle practices in place. You aren't massively stressed out in your life. You have good, uh, you know, nutrition profile then, and, and you sleep well and et cetera. Like you can probably handle a little bit more than the next person versus somebody who's, um, you know, very stressed over, you know, overweight has digestive, uh, health issues and sleeps five hours a night. That person gets zero intensity. They don't get any, you know, you have to earn your intensity is kind of the way of, of thinking about it. Um, and so that could look like four days a week for somebody and it could look like no days a month for somebody else. Right. Um, you know, somebody who's like competitive in the sport of fitness and that's what they want to do and they've aligned their lifestyle to it. It's like they're probably going to do something intensive every single day in training, um, maybe multiple times a day in training. I think that the idea of challenging people 
in their training is something that we can, I, we can orient to a little bit more. So it's like somebody comes into the gym, we should challenge them uh, or they should challenge themselves with movement on a daily basis. And challenge, I think, works better than the, the term intensity because, mm-hmm. you know, I think intensity has just gotten kind of like lumped in with this idea of like hit intervals and go until you kind of want to, like, till you want to throw up or it really hurt. It hurts. Right, right. right. But somebody could come in and it's like, oh, I want them to do some challenging resistance work. And that challenging resistance work looks like doing you know, a 20, a a tough set of 20 reps in the goblet squat. And by, and that's going to feel intense for them. And that's intensive training, but it's not intensity in the way that people would think, you know, assume like burpees and and assault bike is going to look. And, and then for the, for another person, it's like given their skill and their training background, they come in and you want them doing tough sets of five in the back squat with weighted chin-ups. That's tough and a challenge for them. Mm-hmm. And, and then another person comes in and, you know, may, they, maybe they're doing cleans and uh, they're doing, you know, 80% of their max in a clean every minute on the minute for 15 minutes. And that's their challenge for the day. And that might feel intense for a couple reps, but um, so I think we can challenge people on a, on a consistent basis, on a regular basis, so long as they have, and, and the level of that challenge is dictated by their recovery and lifestyle practices that are happening, um, that are in place, that allow them to fill up their stress bucket with physical stress. Um, right. if, we, if, if they're filling up their stress bucket with emotional, mental, uh, poor sleep, uh, n- nutritional stress, then they don't have room for physical stress on top of that. Otherwise they'll start to break. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome information in there, especially with like, uh, you know, I always, I think people are always searching for, like I wrote a blog on uh, supplementing um, a few months back and I got so many emails and replies from like uh, remote clients that I have. And then people that are inside of my brick and mortar gym and they were, um, and I felt like maybe I came off the wrong way in the supplement uh, blog. I was just saying like, you know, you can essentially do whatever supplements you want, but it's, it's not gonna, um, it's not gonna beat like getting a good night's sleep and handling your stress inside and outside the gym. And, um, you know, the people that love their pre-workout and their, you know, their hydrolyzed whey protein, they just weren't ready to hear that quite yet. Um, but it's, it's cool to hear you kind of doubling down on some thoughts that I have, especially like, having these conversations with clients and getting them to understand like, yeah, you getting into bed, having good sleep hygiene, having a somewhat of a resemblance of a morning routine, um, having high quality food sources and not just living off of supplements, Chipotle and sleeping five to six hours a night. Um, so it's cool to hear you talk a little bit about that. Um, you talked a little bit during that, uh, that explanation about uh, a competitor versus uh, a normal, you know, a normal uh, member just working on either, body composition stuff, whether it's muscle gain or fat loss or whatever. Um, with your functional bodybuilding, how would you tailor that to a competitive athlete? Um, is there like periods of time that you would put it in there? Um, essentially, what would that look like? Um, well, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's aspects. Of, so I guess if, if we're going to define sort of what functional bodybuilding is, right, mm-hmm. it's, it's this blend of of bodybuilding principles combined with 
functional movement or functional fitness as it's kind of seen in the sport of fitness. Right. Um, because functional movement is such an arbitrary kind of term that doesn't mean anything unless we talk about who we're actually training at the time. Right. But so if I got bodybuilding and functional, functional sport of functional fitness, functional fitness sport is very uncontrolled and uh, chaotic. Bodybuilding is very controlled and precise and scripted. Okay. That, that's how, I mean, I'm just going to put them in different categories. That, yeah. in that. So the more bodybuilding you do in the way of, as I think about functional bodybuilding, the more bodybuilding you're doing, it means there's more control points. The more CrossFit or fitness, functional fitness, sport fitness you're doing, the less control points there are. So if there's, if we have an athlete who we're training and they're in season, we need to be training them or testing them and just doing their sport. So it needs to be more of the uncontrolled stuff. Mm -hmm. If they're in their off season or very far away from competition, we want to be doing a lot more controlled training, control work. So that would probably look like, let's just take a, a CrossFit athlete, someone who's going to compete in a sanctional event. You know, their, their sanctional event is nine months away that they want to qualify for and perform well at. Okay. We're nine months out. We're doing lots of functional bodybuilding, <laughs> lots of bodybuilding driven functional training, lots of control points, bringing up unilateral weaknesses, doing strength balance work, uh, lots of time under tension, controlled, uh, you know, positional strength work, uh, building skills, taking their conditioning work and really deconstructing it down to, uh, so, so that we can achieve specific outcomes versus just, uh, uncontrolled chaotic three rounds for time type of workout. And that's in the nine month out process. And then when we're six months out, we start to introduce a little bit more of the sport training. And then three months out, there's a lot more of the sport training happening, a little bit less of the bodybuilding. And then by the time it's like, you know, pre-comp before the um before the sanctional event that they've already qualified for there might be very little bodybuilding if any at all in there the vast majority of it is the sport that they're training so mm -hmm. that's kind of how functional bodybuilding applies in a competitive landscape is that it is how we train people in the off season um and you know i think also functional bodybuilding has become known for, um, as I've shared it on, you know, social media and through our programs through sort of like a exploration of, of different styles of movement or different movement patterns, right? Mm -hmm. Exercises that people are not as familiar with. Um, like, Oh, Marcus Philly. Like I, I hear a lot of people are like, yeah, Marcus Philly's that guy on the internet that does the weird exercises, right? <laughs> which is fine. Okay. I, I also do the other not so weird exercises, but, um, the key is a balance of both and really depending on the person. Now, what does weird exercises do for you? It is a way of getting you out of the traditional movement patterns that you've done over and over and over again that have essentially gotten you kind of into like repetitive use injuries or patterns that uh, could lead to nagging, you know, stuff in your shoulders and your hips. The other thing about doing the same consistent barbell movements over and over again is that there's a strong like ego mental component to that where you 
you have very clear expectations of yourself within a snatch. I know my, my snatch numbers and you get kind of bogged down in that. So for the functional bodybuilding um, exercise selection element that I'm speaking to, we introduce more of those very different movements in the off season phase for somebody who's competitive because it gets them out of their like pattern behaviors and their pattern movements. It also helps free them of that mental, you know, uh, the mental and emotional beatdown, psychological beatdown of having to stare at your snatch one RM for four months in a row as you're trying to try and improve it by five pounds. That's exhausting. Yeah. But you can still train the same patterns by doing dumbbell crossbody muscle snatches and various, you know, versions that I've, I've shown on my page. You train the same pattern. You maintain good uh, motor, you know, motor awareness of the pattern that you're going to come back to later on. Allows athletes to go into the gym and just train and stop freaking out about their numbers. Yeah. Um, and in the sport of fitness, if we're talking about that specifically, there's, <laughs> you actually don't know what the tests are going to be. And so it's good to train in varied ways that, that keep your brain um, learning how to adapt quickly to new stuff. So there's, there's so many reasons why functional bodybuilding makes sense in so many different types of programs out there. And you know, whether it's the person's goal is look good, move well, and they're just a gen pop person that wants to train, uh, for health, longevity, and to look good, then, then it makes sense year round. And then maybe for somebody who's in the, uh, you know, more in the, I want to compete in the sport, then yeah. Okay. Then maybe it makes, it, there's a strong need for it at certain times of the year. Yeah. I, I think what, what I love most about, your uh, functional bodybuilding programs and the message that you're bringing to the world is like, there is a lot and you're seeing an emergence of a lot of like CrossFit games athletes that are starting to talk in this way. Like there's a lot of burnt out. I thought I wanted to be a CrossFit competitor people out there. And you, you, you came to the market with this like amazing message of like, um, Hey, I know I feel like you do. And I want to help you get out of that. Um, the, the, the wheel just, you know, spinning around in circles, chasing your tail, not finding your way out. And I think that message that you brought to the world of like, look, like you can, um, you can still do performance style stuff. You can still, you know, lift heavy and, and feel good and look a certain way. And that message for a lot of people was like a breath of fresh air. And it's one that, um, uh, me, like I came to it, um, a little later in, in the game, but, um, you know, I follow you almost daily just because I want to, um, I want to consume that matches the same and then get it out to my clients because um, it's awesome. Like who doesn't want to feel good? Who doesn't want to look a certain way, but still enjoy the, you know, again, whatever their function is functional fitness style stuff. Like who doesn't want that? I can't think of anybody. Um, so you talked a little bit about like the weird exercises. Uh, this is a hundred percent for a selfish reason. Like where do you come up with those exercises? Um, are there people that mentor you and give you ideas for them? Or do you just, are you sitting in a dark room by yourself at a computer? Like, how can I change this movement? Like, what does that look like? Um, well, I mean, originally there was a lot of like, uh, just like research through doing it, you know? So yeah. I had a coach that was, um, helping with some of the inspiration behind it, giving me some different movements, but it, it, it's, they're not, you know, it's, it's actually not as, uh, 
well, and I, th- I think you probably know this, but mm-hmm. you know, some, some viewers and some people that follow, they, they're like, it seems so random. And it's really not that random. And it's really not that like, uh, I'm not just pulling movements out of nowhere. You know, <laughs> right, right. I, take, I take one pattern, one movement pattern, like the split squat. And if you think about a split squat, you know, what's, what is the, 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 the essential pattern is you're in a lunge, you're in like a lunge or a split stance and you're just like moving your body up and down. Okay. Now from there, there is a tremendous amount of variety that we can add in if we're, if we, um, consider load placement, speed of contraction, uh, various varying uh types of of surfaces and to stand upon um and then potentially combining it with other movement patterns so let me let me break those down Mm -hmm. if we think about the loading implement if i use a barbell if i use a dumbbell if i use a kettlebell if i use a sandbag if i use um earthquake bar if i use uh you know any one of these devices Okay, now we've got potentially five to 10 different exercises, a kettlebell split squat, a dumbbell split squat, a barbell split squat. Okay, next, if I talk about load placement, I'm gonna put the kettlebell in the rack position. I'm gonna put the kettlebell in the overhead position. I'm gonna put both kettlebells in different positions. So you start to play around with where the load is relative to your center of mass. Then we talk about the surfaces. I'm going to stand on the ground. I'm going to put my front foot on a box. I'm going to put my back foot on a box. I'm going to put um, my rear foot on a band that's, you know, suspended between two J hooks on the rig. So it's a little bit less stable. Mm -hmm. And then I think the last one I said was the speed or speed of contraction. I'm going to move in a slow concentric and eccentric fashion. I'm going to go fast. I'm going to explode up. Uh, I'm going to pause for periods of time within the movement at, I'm going to pause halfway down. I'm going to pause at the bottom. I'm going to pause halfway up. So just in a split squat alone, there's, you know, a thousand different variations that we could come up with. Mm -hmm. And, oh, and then I said, combine movement patterns. Well, what if I wanted to marry a, a split squat with a press or like a split squat thruster type of situation? Um, so there's, there's so much variety that we can get out of one movement. And once I recognized that through like my early exploration, it was like, okay, well, how can I continue to evolve this? And, um, uh, and, and thinking about it in lots of different movement patterns and um, with lots of different loading implements. That's kind of how it, how it happened. So I still get inspiration from seeing I think something that I started a while back has now been taken, you know, by a lot of different people out there in the inter- in, you know, on the internet, mm-hmm. uh, people are exploring and coming up with create creative stuff. Periodically I'll get a direct message from somebody that says, Oh, have you tried it this way? And I haven't tried it that way. And it inspires a whole new way of thinking. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's for the most part, it's just, it's just, uh, the, the creativity of looking at, what we're trying to accomplish in a very traditional movement and then make subtle variations on that traditional movement to accomplish, you know, some aspects of stability, get people out of their, the same movement patterns, challenge them in new ways, make training fun again, you name it. 
Yeah. I think the, 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 the main message from that is like getting people out, like no matter where you take the, the, the control of the contraction or where you load them, the implement that you use. I think that if you just start from a, a base place of we're getting you out of normal movement patterns, right? Cause then we get away from like overuse injuries or repetitive contractions in the same plane of motion, which can just wear and tear on your body. I think if you come from that place of, um, I'm getting people out of the same patterns. All of that makes sense to, to pretty much anybody. Right. Um, so something I'm curious about, are you familiar? I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with like Eric Helms and the, the work that him and like Dr. Isatel do as far as like the volume landmarks and stuff like that. Uh, I'm curious, like, is that something that you within your functional bodybuilding programs, um, is that something that you adhere to? Like, you know, they talk about like per body part, you need like, I'm just going to throw out just a range, like 10 to 20 sets of varied repetitions and stuff like that. And then they always talk about um, frequency and varied intensities. Do you adhere to those volume landmarks within your um, functional bodybuilding programs for either individual or group? Is that something that you pay attention to? Um, short answer is uh, no. Okay. Uh, I, I, and I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm actually not that familiar with, with their work, okay. but I, I, from, from what I do know, it's very focused on aesthetics, uh, aesthetic training, bodybuilding mm-hmm. training splits. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I, I know the term bodybuildings in our, you know, name, functional bodybuilding. Yeah. Um, and there are definitely influences from, uh, you know, bodybuilding training principles of, you know, time under tension to hypertrophy. But I, remember, I came at this not from a, I want to achieve a better aesthetic. So that's why I'm going to change this, train these train principles. Mm-hmm. I had a good aesthetic. I was just beat up and burnt right. out. And by returning to actually some like hypertrophy training sets and uh, rep ranges and time under tension, uh, what that allowed for was a lot more mind muscle connection to happen within training, a, a, a little bit of a shift towards uh, more motor control and less about, you know, absolute strength intensity work or, or peak, peak contractions, high, you know, high motor unit, uh, high threshold motor unit contractions. Um, and the result was, Oh wow. People feel better. I feel better. People feel more controlled. They actually, um, develop, uh, I don't know, I guess just call it like st- stability muscles and mm-hmm. uh, more, more motor control. Yeah. So I, I try and imp- we implement those into our training approach as a, as a tool for getting people to uh, move better and feel better with their training, feel connected to their training and avoid, uh, sort of like, burnout and injury mistakes that happen uh, as a result of just not thinking when they're moving and they're just trying to go all out or try and push too heavy. Um, And in the instance where we have an individual client that wants bodybuilding training or aesthetics uh, specific training, Mm -hmm. they really want to increase muscle mass and decrease body fat. Then we can start making some manipulations to those individual programs to uh, potentially align more with what you were just saying, like, yeah. you know, hitting certain volumes of reps, 
um, for a body part in order to elicit change, you know, having upper and lower splits and, uh, you know, getting into 18 to 22 sets in a particular session for a body part. Yeah. We, I, I mean, I have a couple individual clients that I do that kind of design for, mm-hmm. um, but it's not inherent in within like, you know, the functional bodybuilding, uh, group templated programs that we have out there. It's, I would say first and foremost, it is about creating great quality movement and control points within training so that people can explore what it looks like to do functional fitness in a controlled, uh, repeatable way without, you know, blowing themselves up. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And I think, uh, that's a good point too, because sometimes, um, coaches out there get too stuck in the weeds with like, um, like, I guess they lose track of like, what are we really doing here? And I think it's awesome that you understand that, um, what I am essentially promising the world is I'm going to get you help you to turn away from pain and move back into function. Um, and, and if you, as always, if you start from that, um, from a, from a starting point and then everything else kind of tears off from that, um, it helps to keep you on course a little bit with that. So sure. I want to change gears a little bit. I want to move away from, um, just talking specifically about functional body building. And, um, now it seems like you've got some coaches that you mentor and it seems like, um, uh, you know, you just did a webinar that I listened to the other day with, uh, coach and you were talking about um, how you are getting this message out to other coaches. Um, how do you, we'll, we'll just start from like inside of your own facility. Um, what are some practices that you use to mentor your coaches in facility to make sure that they're staying on path with like your philosophies and your thoughts around training? What does that look like? And from a mentoring standpoint? Um, well, first, I think first and foremost, it's just like, practicing what I preach all the time. Yeah. So my, uh, just staying in alignment as a, as a mentor is essential. Um, I've worked for people in the past. I've worked with people in the past that say one thing and then do another. And, uh, they wonder why there isn't uh, you know, a consistent culture around them. It's like, well, duh. I mean, you're not, you know, you're not really living, living the lessons that you're, you're talking about. So that's sort of, always been kind of my approach um, is lead from the front a bit and be uh, an example of this stuff and then be really honest when I'm like, you know, Hey, I, I'm not uh, as an example, like, you know, haven't I had, we had our, our first daughter almost two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was around the same time that I started my business, um, this business. And so as you can imagine, those first two, even now it's like we have another daughter it's like it's been stressful on me in a different way my old stress was just trying to push my body to the limit and competing in crossfit and so i brought the training down and sorted that out but now the stress is coming from other places so here i find myself at this stage of uh you know life and for the past six months in getting prepped to have our second child and then the first three to four months of sleep deprivation i'm i was unwell. I mean, like I'm, I'm not the healthiest I've been and I've been having, I'm suffering from some, you know, major digestive health, uh, uh, obstacles. And I know that that's, I know that the root of that is the stress of both physical, mental, and emotional that I've had on myself for the past several months. So I'm like, just, I'm, I'm, I'm open and honest about that with my team. I'm seeking out help from practitioners outside of myself, like to, sort this out. And so seeing 
you know, seeing that I'm taking that part of my, my health seriously, I think that really is, is, is the best way to mentor the people around me. Um, so, and then apart from that, it's, uh, uh, making sure that there's enough time with those mentees, you know, in a group or an individual kind of, uh, environment to educate them and to have open conversations about what we're dealing with on a daily basis with our clients, challenges that we're having and successes that we're having. So every week we have a two hour, you know, collective group meeting as a staff where we talk amongst each other about training principles. Yesterday, as an example, we spent a good hour and hour and 30 minutes um, discussing different ways that the coaches on staff are approaching designing sustainable aerobic conditioning work for their clients that they're working with now. Everybody on the staff gave an example of a six to 20 week training build that they have been working on currently with a client. And then those were mapped out on the whiteboard. And then we had an opportunity to go around and everyone could see, Oh, this is how somebody on my, on the staff is taking the principles and implementing them with X client. And then Marcus is doing it with Z client. And then this person's doing it with, you know, W client or whatever. And that allows us to understand one another's thoughts, see very, you know, variations on the same principles, share ideas, and then give uh, critiques and feedback to each other. So I'm able to be in a position to give feedback uh, and get feedback from people on things that they see that work or aren't working. Uh, and that's just one example. We do, uh, those types of meetings where we discuss program design or we discuss, discuss assessment protocols that we have. Also, we discuss consultation nuances and question asking and how do we actually get clients to uh, make behavioral changes. And then there's nourishment and uh, sort of lifestyle conversations too that happen. So that's a, in a group environment, we can do that. And then one-to-one, -one, making, making time for my coaches um, every, you know, I usually see them each in person one to two times a month for a meeting where we can unpack client obstacles that they're dealing with or dive into topics of uh, that, that are particularly stressful to them in their work life balance that they're trying to manage. Uh, so those are, those are definitely the, the three ways lead from the front, be an example, be uh, honest about what, what I'm going through, group meetings, education, and then individual uh, time spent with each coach. Yeah. Uh, I love the authenticity piece because um, as, a, as a young junior coach and business owner, I, I, I thought often that like, um, one, I didn't need uh, coaching. Two, I, I had to put out this persona that I um, knew everything. Um, and, and what it just basically did was uh, <laughs> lead me to this place where like I had to backtrack a little bit. Like, hey guys, like, I, I don't know the answer here. I don't know what that is. Um, and and re coming to that realization came from like me hiring my own coaches and, and then being open to feedback because um, it, I mean, we spend all of our time as coaches helping people to uh, openly say like, we don't know the answer to something or like um, that we need help with something uh, oftentimes can um, it, well initially felt uncomfortable to say, but um, it's led me to, to, better relate to my clients and to better relate to my team and to lead them from a place of like, 
hey, I'm going to give you everything I got. I'm going to give you as much information as I can. And when I don't know the answer, I'm going to go get it for you. And I'll openly tell you if I don't have that answer. Um, and then realizing that like, I can learn something from you guys all the time too. It's, it's, a, it's a communication line that can come from both ways. Um, within your gym, you guys have to do all individual design from what I understand. So um, with me getting into this individual design world, I uh, have found myself upon a bunch of clients. Um, and I'm curious for like, uh, for a person that's been doing it much longer than me, um, where do you find is like that, uh, slippage to where like, okay, that per this coach has too many clients and we need to slow them down. Is that, um, is that, uh, and I know that's going to be based on how long they've been coaching too, but uh, let's say a coach who's been, uh, we'll use myself as an example. I've been coaching clients for, uh, going on eight years now, mostly group moving into individual. What would you think for like an avatar like that to where, um, is a good amount of clients to give a good product? Yeah, I actually got this question uh, asked to me, I think in like a webinar with True Coach the okay. other day. And it's really, um, well, here, here are the things that need to be factored into that. Because okay. I know coaches, I know individual, I know coaches that write personalized fitness programs for 120 people. And I know people that do it for 15 people. Mm -hmm. And the, and the person that's doing it for 15 people is stressed out to the max and can't organize their schedule. And the person that's doing it for 120 people is like, you know, as smooth and as like dialed right. in as, right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's got nothing to do with the number. It's got everything to do with the, 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 the combination of what type of client you're working with. Does it match your skill set as a coach? Okay. So if you got 10, elite level CrossFit competitors that you're trying to design personalized fitness for and you lack the skill set to really be able to work with that client effectively and efficiently, you could end up taking four hours a week to just write a design for one person. So you got 40 hours a week now you're writing designs for 10 people, mm -hmm. right? But now you match that type of, like you take another coach who is extremely well-versed in planning for competitive fitness seasons. They understand the training builds and designs required for the sport. They've worked with lots of people. Those 10 people, they could design a, a quality effective program for every single week in about eight minutes per person. So they're taking 80 minutes to do the work of somebody else that took four, 40 hours. Right. Okay. Now, those are very big extreme examples, but it's not that far from like the reality out there. Yeah, there are people yeah. are taking a long time to write designs for one person. So the design efficiency is important, but that came from not be, from being aligned with the wrong type of client. Second, you as a coach need to be doing consultations with your clients. So you need to have room built into your schedule to consult. You also need to be having time to educate yourself and to grow you need to be having time to go out and move yourself and you also want to have time to market your business. So the person that's, that's buried for 40 hours a week doing those designs is not doing any of the other things necessary. Meanwhile, the person that's got 10 clients that they can design for in eight to 10 minutes each has got, you know, 20 to 30 hours a week to be educating themselves, going out and getting new business, doing consultations with new people. So then when you are 
so the number that's going to be right for you is when you can find this sweet spot of like designing an effective program for somebody in the eight to 12 minute mark, like a, a week long design. And that's not like, I don't mean like you get a new person in and you want to create a plan for them for six months. That takes more than eight to 12 minutes. That's mm -hmm. going to, that's going to, there's an upfront time investment. Once that upfront time investment has been made because you ask the right questions, you assess them correctly, you understand what their goal is over the course of those six months. So you can actually visualize and write it down on paper, what they're going to be doing at different phases of those six months. Once that upfront time is put in, then it should literally be an eight to 12 minute process of writing next week's design. Okay. Um, so you want to get to that place and that means having the client that matches, you know, your, your interest and your skill level. So if you got, you know, if it's gen pop clients that want to train a week and they, um, they need, you know, basic resistance training and some sustainable aerobic work and you can get those people in, you can uh, recruit those people cause they interest you then awesome. Like grow that and only add more when you can kind of stay in that sweet spot of it's, you know, it's effective, efficient, and you can, you know, balance out the, the time, time commitments that you need to have in all those different buckets. I mentioned, you need to keep educating yourself. You need to keep moving. You need to do consultations. Uh, you need to, uh, write designs. Awesome. I, I love that. Um, I've got to where like I can pump out like the, you know, the eight to 10 minute program after my initial setup. Um, but I've got, I've got some coaches that are starting to do some individual design and they're like, you know, just like you said, they're at five or six people and they're like completely overwhelmed. Um, and, and at the same time wanting more clients and like, Hey, we're just going to hold off. I'm going to let you kind of settle into that. We're going to get, make sure you're dialed in there before we start adding to your plate. Um, so it's just cool to hear you do pretty much do the same thing. Yeah. Um, as always, I'm out of time and <laughs> I never get through the questions that I want to, but at least there's a whole bunch of them I could ask if we needed to get to them. Um, I'm just curious, what's next for you, man? Is it more of the same? Or are you going to, uh, is there something big and looming in the future? Or are you just doubling down on your message and making sure you keep pushing it out? I think more of the latter. Yeah, definitely just continuing to double down on the message and, and keep pushing it out to as many people that are, are ready and willing to listen to it and to hear it. Um, and then sort of, as with where we're at today, what, what helped us arrive at this place um, has been driven by listening to the audience out there and listening to what people need. And I think we're at a place now where we've laid a, a really solid foundation of functional bodybuilding, our training principles and programs. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, I know that there is, there's a big audience out there that's experienced it. And a percentage of that audience wants something from, me and my team right now they want education they want um, a certification course they want some way to maybe dive deeper into the concepts so that they can bring it into their own world and, and benefit because I know that seeing how my coaches seeing how my business has grown as a result of having a really strong command of these training principles I think other coaches and other business owners and other athletes out there want that too uh, mm -hmm. so I'm going to keep listening for that. And, um, if they're, you know, people listen to this and they're like, yeah, I, this is what I would want from you guys. Um, you know, please send that information our way so that we can, we can carve out what the next chapter can look like for, um, you know, the growth of FBD. Absolutely, man. Um, so my last question that I always leave people with 
partly personality, but um, people know me very much so as like a, a, an avid reader. And, and then um, every time guests come on and they, they uh, lay out the books that they would recommend to people, it's always been pretty cool to like get those emails from people like, hey, I picked up that book that such and such was talking about. I loved it. Um, so to, to keep with that and to stay consistent with that, what are your uh, top three books that you would recommend somebody would go and pick up and um, dive into as far as reading? Oh, great. Um, I'm going to just pull up my Audible right now and just tell you what the most, uh, the, the top books on my list are that I've been listening to over the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, I would say the one that I've recently, I just recently got finished reading was Food, What the Heck Should I Eat by Dr. Mark Hyman. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that it's a, a great breakdown of the current landscape of food and the science that supports different uh, nutritional recommendations that's out there or the science that doesn't support common nutritional recommendations that are out yeah. there. I think people need to hear that for sure. Uh, another one that I read recently that I uh, really enjoyed was, um, okay. Yeah. 10% happier. Uh, this was something, by uh, a book by Dan Harris and it was just um, like skeptics out there who are like oh, meditation is not for me and you know it's like basically one skeptic to another like why meditation is valuable right. and essentially just why slowing down in our lives is so important so a lot of people are stuck in living the fast-paced life and uh, they're like constantly in just like a sympathetic nervous system state um, and they're kind of just crushing them themselves from a health perspective over, over time. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, just to get some laughter in your life, I can't make this up. Life lessons from Kevin Hart. It, 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 uh, I, I'm a Kevin Hart fan, but um, I became a bigger fan when I read the, when I, when I read or listened to his book, I, I suggest listening to it because he reads it. Um, and it is just a, it's a hilarious uh, oh, man. Um, it's a, it's a hilarious story, but also, you know, I think Kevin Hart has a reputation as being just a, an extremely driven, hardworking individual in an industry that um, is super competitive and not many people make it. And uh, it's just kind of cool to hear like, okay, how does, how does somebody really become connected with what they're passionate about, what they have a gift for, but then put in the work to really become amazing at, you know, at that craft. And, uh, yeah, he was like a gifted, funny person, but you know, nobody makes it in comedy as just a, a, a gifted, talented person. Like there's a tremendous amount of work that goes into it too. So I thought that was a cool, cool read. I definitely wasn't expecting that third one. And uh, I love Kevin Hart. I can't, you know, uh, fairly often my wife and I'll sit down and watch a, a Kevin Hart uh, show on Netflix and just laugh our faces off, which is pretty cool to hear that you uh, he would recommend that book. Yeah. I actually wrote that down for myself while you were uh, talking about it. So awesome. um, cool, man. I, I've really enjoyed you on the podcast today. So much great information. Um, I always joke around. I'm like, people, like if you're listening right now, you should pull out a notepad. This is just another one of those episodes. Like take notes. You're going to need it. Um, Marcus, where can people go and get more information from you? Go ahead and give some plugs here. Um, uh, please go to revival-strength.com. Um, and on the main page, there is a place to sign up for our email list. So we uh, send out um, weekly content, twice weekly. We've got a, a Wednesday email that goes out where I dive into some training concepts uh, or recovery concepts. It's kind of like my, my blog. 
And then we have our functional bodybuilding Friday uh, email that goes out. That's usually like a, a quick workout that you guys can try or something from the functional bodybuilding realm that you can experiment with yourself. And um, I think that those are two really uh, great resources for people that are looking to upgrade their training knowledge or their coaching knowledge. Um, and it's a, it's an easy way for me to communicate with the audience. Awesome. Thank you, man. Um, again, I enjoyed having you on here today. The, the past hour has been uh, awesome and I'm excited for people to listen to it. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'm super glad that I had my extra cup of coffee for today. <laughs> cool, man. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show today. I hope you got some value and some tools to take away to create yourself and create a life and engineer it to what you can be proud of. Now, do me a favor. Podcasts live, breathe, and die off of ratings and reviews on iTunes. So do me a favor before you go. Head on over to iTunes. Give me a five-star rating and review. Tell us something that you love about the podcast. Talk about guests that you want to have on. In general, we just want to get some feedback and know how this podcast is going and if it's helping people. Now, thank you, and we look forward to talking to you next time. This is the Create Yourself Podcast.